0: Today's episode of the Happy Hour Hangout podcast is brought to you by Brio Bottle. Don't be that guy that overdoes it at a happy hour and just ruins the good time for the rest of the group. Always be sure to include a water break and what better way than with your own Brio Bottle. Brio Bottle specializes in large volume stainless steel water bottles and are constructed of food grade BPA, free stainless steel. And for listeners of the Happy Hour podcast, we're giving you a special 20% off by putting in the coupon code Steve at checkout. That is Steve, S-C-H-T-E-V-E at checkout for 20% off these uh, wonderful stainless steel water bottles that do not provide any stench, whether you're uh, when you're at the gym uh, or at the barge, giving yourself that that water break you needed. Go to briobottle.ca to learn more. Yeah, so let's uh, let's go ahead and kick things off. You are this is another edition of the Happy Hour Hangout podcast. Uh, I'm Stephen, accompanied as always uh, with Trav, uh, coming back from a from a month off. How's uh, you feel? Do you feel
1: refreshed and ready to get back at it? I do. I had to kick some cobwebs down here in the uh, the old <laughs> studio, and uh, I had to dust it off. There's some uh, spider crawling around or something earlier. I don't know, man. I was had to clean it up, man. I'm feeling refreshed. Uh, love that we were able to take uh, a month off of podcasting, but still deliver podcasting gold to the people. Uh, once a week during our time off. I mean, that's what can you say, man? We're planners, we think ahead for the people, and you know, we got to enjoy some breaks, but they still got to hear our sweet, sweet voice deliver, uh, you know, podcasting gold. What more could you want?
0: Yeah, well said. Did you, uh, did you dust off the curtain?
1: <laughs> yeah, I did actually. Uh, the old, uh, the old <laughs> curtain is looking fresh. We've got a little better angle we're working with here. So I feel good, I look good, um, and God willing, I sound good. So let's see what happens here.
0: Man, that is well-spoken. You sound rejuvenated. Couldn't be more excited. (laughs)
1: It's my first beer in a couple weeks, too. So I I went on a little bit of a a slowdown. I switched back to the Tito's. Been drinking a little Tito's at the house, watching football. And, um, man, halfway through this IPA I'm drinking, it feels good to be back, Steve. I did also notice that since we we were
0: taking a break that I, I was going less on the beer and more on the bourbon. So mm-hmm. I've, got, I've got at least four half-drink bottles of bourbon downstairs. And I think every time I go to the grocery store, I find I just add another one to my list, which is may or may not be a good or bad thing. So I'll let, the, a great thing. I'll, I'll let the team decide. Um, there you go. But uh, talking about uh, beer, why don't you go ahead and tell me a little bit about uh,
1: what you're drinking tonight? Dude, I've got something uh, that I know for a fact you are not going to be able to drink on here. And okay. I am super, I'm super proud of this one. You know how when you came back with Wisconsin beers, I yeah. was like, yo, dude, who's giving you the Wisconsin beers? Where's the hookup at? Well, I've got the hookup, my friend. Okay. And these beers from our friends at Angry Minnow Brewing Company in Hayward, Wisconsin. Um, oh. Delicious, first off, actually. Oh, that's good. Uh, Angry Minnow Brewing Company. Let me tell you a little bit about them, man. Uh, First, do you know where Hayward, Wisconsin is, by chance? Not in the slightest. Yeah, it's a little – I didn't think you would. It's a middle – little, real little town. Um, It's about – from the looks of it, probably about an hour and a half, maybe, uh, northeast of Minneapolis. So it's way up there in Wisconsin. It gets very cold. My father-in-law, one of his good friends – shout out to uh, Jerry – his uh, One of his good buddies lives actually in Hayward, and this is a stop uh, he makes. At the, it's a local Hayward Brewing uh, company named uh, Angry Minnow, obviously, and he brought me back two beers. So the one I was drinking pre-show is called uh, Charlie Rye IPA, uh, a little six-pointer, uh, 6.0 uh, uh, ABV, so your standard uh, IPA, really good. This one, the Hazy IPA is the one I cracked for the show. Uh, this one is 6-2, so it's kind of got a little deeper uh, IPA thing going on, but very cool to drink something that uh, I can't find here. And as I know we've mentioned on the show, and I certainly have experienced this with trying to hit all IPAs, uh, I feel like I have completely run through our, our local schnooks in our beer cellar here, man. I, I know that there's – if I branch out and, you know, started doing sours or um, – you know, pale ales and things of that nature. I could probably expand for, you know, another couple months of not, you know, drinking new stuff, but strictly IPAs, man, I I have really put a number on IPAs in the last 30, what's this 38, 39 episode, whatever this is. And, um, and so anyways, it's really, really sweet that, uh, my father-in-law, Jerry hooked me up with some, uh, uh, beer from Angry Minnow and two beers that uh, I can't get here. Nobody can get here. And uh, if you ever find yourself in Hayward, Wisconsin, uh, stop in and and give our friends at Angry, Angry Minnow uh, a little a little chance. It's a pretty good beer, man. Cheers. It is great
0: being able to review slash test beer on the show that's not that you can't get locally. So mm-hmm. it, it's almost like a treasure hunt of being able to it bring is. back um, or get access to to different beer uh liqueurs that is mm-hmm. the sold in, in st louis which is really cool so uh what i am drinking so i'm doing a little bit of a mixed bag so it's uh, it's cold outside it's been raining all day i think i saw on the news that uh it's supposed to snow a little bit um so i kind of i i mixed it up a little bit but i started with golden road mango cart <clears throat> oh yeah it's a mango wheat ale um don't have a whole good. lot on it. Uh, I know Golden Road Brewing is a brewery that is based out of Los Angeles, California. So going, going west coast for this one. And actually, I, I, I heard about it because my, uh, I guess my wife's cousin-in-law, I don't know how the in-laws things work on cousins, but uh, her cousin's husband likes to drink a lot of unique type beer and he was drinking it at a family event uh, a while back and I've always been interested in it Uh, luckily enough uh, Blue Moon makes a mango beer uh, I think in the spring seasons which I always thought was pretty pretty delicious and so I thought I'd try this one out but you know it's light just like how Steve likes to do it and uh, you know only four four percent alcohol content so I'm a burning it down tonight uh but to to also uh deal with the cold that is outside i am going to be drinking civil life american brown which is one of my favorite favorite beers of all time uh it's it's got that dark dark taste but it's a little bit lighter than most dark dark beers so um but yeah we wanted i wanted to start light and then when we talk about the big topics i'll go a little dark on you okay
1: (laughs) Looking forward to. It. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I've got my Harpo's cup full, so I'll uh, I'll cheers over to you, my partner, and we'll get started. That's awesome. Good stuff. I'll say I'll save a mango beer for you. I think you'll like it. <laughs>
1: All right, I so really.
0: we got a we uh we got a pretty good episode for you. So, uh, keeping in tradition, we are doing in a an October 2020 review. So we're gonna go over everything or as much as we can that happened in, in October and a lot did happen with the, uh, uh, continued wildfires, the, you know, a lot of the hurricanes, um, you know, COVID still going strong, I guess, so to speak, um, all the stuff with the election and everything like that. And, uh, yeah, like I said in the, in the opener, so, so many sports. So we're gonna, we're gonna try and, and, and dive as much as we can into it and to fit into an hour here. Um, But the first thing I wanted to do was I wanted to do something, uh, kind of a little bit of a new segment that's based off of an old segment that we kind of thought of when we started doing this podcast. Uh, It's kind of like the opening rant that we talked about, but uh, I wanted to bring a good spin into the happy hour effect, as I'm calling it. Um, And what better way than to call this the uh, blowing off steam? So a lot of time when you go to happy hour, what are you doing, Trav? You're wanting to what, blow off steam? It's been a long work day, long work week. You know, you're yep. going there and hanging out with people and blowing off some steam, right? So, you want to talk and vent, right? Well, that's now's right. your opportunity. And I know for a fact that you've got one that's really, really hitting you in the heartstrings and you really <laughs> want to go your chest. So, uh, I'm going to let you blow off some steam first. How does that work?
1: Yeah, that's great. I, uh, so, mine comes courtesy of fantasy football. And uh, I know what our non fantasy football players are thinking. Uh, I'll just fast forward a couple bits here give me a second to explain. This is, this is life advice. And this applies to all aspects of life, just fantasy football in a nutshell. So every year we've got a group of guys and Steve included that we get in on a little fantasy football action, throw a little bit of money on it. Nothing crazy. I mean, some of these guys out here are paying, you know, $500 entry fees and things like that. We're, we're low ballers. We're, we're around 25 bucks. And you know, there's a group of us, winner gets a good amount of money. Uh, most of the time it's all in good fun. And you think over the course of playing, you know eventually I'm going to have that year and as a uh, as an avid sports fan and, and one who believes in their their process, their team, their system, uh, you'll always think this year is my year and you know this year in fantasy football was was no no other than just that same thing i uh, I logged into the old fantasy draft, I've got the number one pick, and uh, like any. Uh, smart NFL fantasy football player, uh, Christian McCaffrey is sitting there waiting for me to take. He's the uh, probably the top performance uh, running back, certainly, in, in fantasy football and arguably the most dynamic player in in the league. And so you sit to yourself, you're like, well, this is a no-brainer. This is going to be great. I got McCaffrey. I'm going to draft this awesome team around him. And McCaffrey's going to score enough points week in and week out and get me to the promised land. Well, injuries are always a factor uh, in fantasy football, but they're also always setbacks in life. So here, I'm going to tie this into life. But what happens in fantasy football every freaking year for me is I get crushed. I start off and I think, man, I'm going to be great. Last year, I think the pre-rankings had me finishing number two. This year, they had me finishing number two as well. I can tell you I am nowhere close to number two in this league. I'm getting crushed. I've been Hit by injuries, uh, my two starting running backs, my starting wide receiver, all out injuries. Um, Caffrey's on the IR, meaning he's probably not going to play. Raheem Mustard, my second running back, he's also on the IR, probably not going to play. That just that's great, right? Uh, I got Zach Ertz, my starting tight end, IR. You're thinking, man, can this get any worse? Then I had uh, I had Lamar Jackson, great quarterback so far, so could, so so far okay there. He hasn't been a world beater by any means, but still okay. But then I have the most inconsistent group of scrubs left. And let me explain to you what happened. C.D. Lamb, for our friends that follow the Cowboys, has been – had a pretty good year. This week against the 32nd – and for our fans at home that don't know football, 32nd is last place (laughs) passing defense, uh, the Washington football team. Uh, He scored .1 points, folks. That's a rushing attempt on one rushing yard. Uh, And he had five targets, no catches. That sums up my fantasy football season in a nutshell. And so, as I'm sitting here enjoying some beers with my good buddy Steve and trying to blow off some steam, fantasy football always comes to the top of the list, man. And it's so frustrating. But yet, I will continue to play and I will continue to lose money. I don't know why. It's like getting kicked in the nuts and asking for more. I'm here for it. I do it. Don't know why. Um. Fantasy football is the
0: worst humanly thing ever. I think everybody can agree with me in some fashion, but at the same time, it is the most addictive thing you can ever play, especially for money.
1: Yeah, throw, uh, throw $10 on it. I'm like a crack addict wanting more, even though i just addicted <clears> to losing. I so find fantasy
0: football more frustrating than me going from the uh, driving range to the actual... 18 and shanking shank missing everything that I hit after I was hitting them straight on the driving range. That is what fantasy football does to me, but I can't not play. I I'm in two leagues and one league, I actually had the first pick as well. And I can't, I mean, I'm in last place. I mean, it's just, it's just been an abomination. Um, I will say though, that my wife actually shares your pain when it comes to injured players. So let me tell you really quick what who is and was on her team. So she had Saquon, who is out for the year. Yep. Uh, Tariq Cohen, who is out for the year. Goddard, who's on IR. Lazard, who's on IR in the most randomest of ways. Uh, Sammy Watkins, who is constantly out. The point is, is fantasy football is, in my opinion, like golf. It is the most fun thing to just constantly hate and be pissed off at at all times, but you do it anyway. And most of the most, most people that are diehard about it are in at least two to three leagues, which is like myself. So, um, what's the be- back for we, more? We've been playing. We've been in this league for what five years. What's the best best finish you've ever had? Uh,
1: I think I finished fifth one time. And how many how many people are in our league? It started out with what ten? There's now twelve. Oh, yeah, it was at ten. Yeah, now we've we've been at twelve the last three. I feel your pain. Yep. All right, I got Good I got some I I
0: got, I got something <laughs> I want to get off my chest. I'm going to blow some steam off here for you.
1: I can't wait to hear your topic.
0: Um. So you watched the presidential debate, right? The second
1: one, most recently last week. Yeah. Wa- yeah. I watched both of them. The whole thing. Uh, yeah, the first one I cut off early. I that, those two grown men screaming at each other. I I couldn't take. But the second one, yeah, start to finish.
0: Yeah, that one was kind of a dumpster fire. Um, was that even in October or was that in September? I don't even remember anymore. I can tell you, I think it was first part of October. Let's uh, let's. But here's my here's my thing about presidential debates. Um, and I think it's strictly just on presidential debates. And I actually think it's really, really speaks home about this current election. Has anybody that you know of, or you included, ever watched a presidential debate and your vote has been swayed by that debate? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I figured. You're, you're, I, I thought you were might be thinking about it, but uh, I figured your answer was going to be no. Mine hasn't either. And part of me understands the "Quote unquote" tradition that comes with these debates, um, but at the end, at the same time, I personally think that none of these debates have never swayed anybody's votes, or if they do, it's such a small percentage that it makes you scratch your head why this is on every single major, you know, n- you know, channel on 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 television that basically your night is basically either watch that or don't watch TV at all. And while it's always it's always good to be able to sit there and watch how these people approach their quote unquote policies. They're obviously not going to give away their policies because they're going to, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like that scene in the office where there's a guy that has no plan of, of a business plan um, for this, the regional manager position. And he's saying that if he gets hired, he'll give that plan. That's exactly what these two guys are talking about. You know, any plan that they truly have, you know, from, you know, the nuts and bolts of it, you know, they may give you a, you know, step three and four, but they're not going to tell you one and two, you know, cause they don't want, they don't want to, they don't want to deal their cards too quickly. They don't want to spill their candy in the lobby. And so, you know, you're sitting there and you're, you're thinking to yourself, you know what, they don't answer all the questions. And so a lot of times I find myself sitting there going, I wonder how many people are influenced by these debates. And the root of that, that I reason that I feel like it doesn't, nobody, nobody's votes affected is, is I think that everybody's made up their mind since probably July. I, I legitimately believe that a lot of people, especially the middle voters, like I, I do believe that most of those people have decided one way or another, who they're going to vote for. And that a presidential debate isn't really going to sway that. Now, if they research and things like that, like, you know, everybody should do of, you know, what each one's about and what their you know plans are in that regard, I can see it being swayed. But when you see these two, men especially these two men if you've watched the last two debates kind of bicker with each other (laughs) the last one was a little bit more tolerable than the first one i just i just don't know i don't i don't see how these debates are as swaying as i think they claim it to be i don't know i i'm 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 getting on a tangent here but i i'm curious on your thoughts because i know how into watching those you are and i you know i'm curious how they affect you
1: yeah i mean i obviously i'm a big big fan of politics it's something that i I follow, I, I certainly watch both debates. Um, you know, I, I think, I think you're probably, you're onto something as far as, you know, the general crowd. Um, I think what these debates do, um, is more from an excitement standpoint than anything. Um, so what I mean by that is, um, you know, it's, it's no mystery at this point if you listen to us for any amount of time that I'm certainly a right leaning, um, right leaning, uh, guy. And, um, you know, I think what, you know, take take a guy that's in my perspective, for example, Trump goes out and has, you know, an incredible debate. And I mean, is on point, quick with the responses, uh, jabs a little bit with Biden, puts him into a corner. My excitement level rises. And if you get more enough people and more people, obviously, with their excitement rising, they're willing to either donate more, um, be more active in getting folks out to vote, um, talking with people more like, at the water cooler. Hey, did you see Trump with that one liner the other night? Um, These types of things I think have more impact than, um, you know, an actual voter watching that and being swayed. I'm with you. I can't really see it happening. And think about it. They get two minutes to answer the question, something along the lines of what is your plan for healthcare? That is such a loaded question to give two minutes. Are you freaking (laughs) kidding me? Who the hell is going to answer that with any kind of substance? And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's more the the barometer and the excitement level. I mean, that's, I mean, let's be honest. That's why Trump does the rallies, right? I mean, it's not because he's getting up there and stumping and giving these like, excuse me, incredible speeches that he's in full detail. It's for the excitement. It's so, you know, people at home looking, they're like, man, he's got 45,000 people at this one airport hangar in Pennsylvania. Holy shit. People love this guy. And then there's a excitement level from there. So I don't know. I think that's probably what they're more useful for, but honestly, it would be really nice to have, you know, I mean, we're both uh, Joe Rogan fans, and I know he's mentioned doing a presidential debate. It wouldn't necessarily have to be Rogan, but somebody like that that's willing and curious and lets folks really talk and really explain themselves, have some, have a, a situation where both candidates go on a major platform like that and do a three- or four-hour deep dive and hit on every topic, really ask questions, maybe have somebody there that's impartial, You know, which is hard enough to do, but somebody that's kind of casually fact-checking, none of this crazy fact-checking, but like you know what ob- obvious lies right and then like call and kind of call them out gently on it and have them talk and explain their way through these crazy intricate detailed <laughs> you know policies for three or four hours i think that'd be a hell of a lot more beneficial than two minutes and then both talking over each other
0: yeah that's that's, that's a good point and yeah i yeah i know i know that the do- the donors uh factor the donation yeah. factor kind of comes into play that's like vaccine those debates and um, stuff. It just sometimes I can't help, but sit there and think to myself, you know, how many of these people are truly swayed? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, especially when it comes to there's so there's, there's more that I I feel like they care more about two minute rebuttals on what the other person said that it's everything gets lost in translation Mm -hmm. so fast and you just lose track of what's going on before you're moving on that you kind of sit there at the end of the segment and you go, I don't really know what their answer to the question was. And, and, you know, I feel like that as the American people stems creates frustration and, and things like that. So, yeah, but yeah that's uh, that's just what I, I wanted to get off my chest. So let's uh, let's continue diving into uh, October for a little bit. Um, and let's just keep, let's just keep talking about our boy, our boy, Don, Don John. Um, what were
1: your thoughts about, what were you thinking whenever uh, we found out he had covid um, I mean, candidly, I mean, yeah, it was bound to happen. I mean, the guys, the, the guys are the guys are on a ton of people, and you know, I, I, uh, I, I think what what can happen sometimes, just as a full caveat, is you hear, oh, I mean, you're you're center right, or, you know, you're, you, you would classify yourself as a conservative or you generally vote Republican and people hear that and they're like, uh, anti-masker, right. I mean, that those kind of things go hand in hand and Trump certainly plays into that. Uh, but full disclosure, I think a lot of folks that are either center right or, or, or conservative, at least that I know, um, I think they're pretty reasonable on the mask. I know I certainly am. And, uh, Don, uh, Mr. Trump is, is certainly not that guy. I mean, he's kind of, um, I don't know, middle finger to the mass if you will uh, and that's kind of his mo and so yeah when i found out he had COVID, i mean it was like i mean golly i mean I, there's really no surprise there certainly i mean i i didn't want any ill will to him or you know certainly thought about you know wife kids and all the other people that he's interacting with on a daily basis and certainly wanted him to do well but um Yeah. I mean, from a COVID perspective, I mean, let's be honest, it was really only a matter of time. You know, it's probably a matter of time for all of us, but it's especially a matter of time if you're walking around with no mask, you know, shaking hands with bazillion people and not really acting like you give a shit about it. You know,
0: there are people that that seem to think that it's going to be one of those situations where everybody just needs to contract it or it's just inevitable that everybody's going to contract it in some form, whether it's, you're asymptomatic or you're having, you know, you need a a ventilator, but Mm -hmm. everybody's going to get it at some point in some fashion until it officially goes away. And yeah, I mean, you're right. He's, he's around a lot of people. Um, He's he's got, you know, he's having these rallies, which is making it even, even more maybe strenuous or stressful. Uh, He was, I mean, he's been in Pennsylvania for all all the last week. and, And I mean, that thing is those places are packed. With
1: people. Yeah. And I'd so say maybe I, 20%
0: are wearing masks.
1: Yeah. So I was, I mean, for him, those probably aren't that bad, right? I mean, he walks up on the stage, he's away from everybody. I think about everybody else that's in there. I mean, you kind of get the backdrop, right? And there's a majority of those people have masks on. But then as soon as they like zoom further out, you're like, is it just me or did none of these other people have masks on? It's like, <laughs> I get, the film guy, hats off to you, man. I, I get what you're doing, but it is, uh, um, They're an interesting situation, but, you know, at the end of the day, man, what makes America great is that, you know, you get to make your own choices and your own choices for your family, and, you know, if you want to go to one of those those rallies and, you know, you support the president and this, that, and the other, um, you know, wear a mask or don't wear a mask. I mean, I'm a firm believer that it's not the government's place to tell you really what to do in detail, and so, um, you know, for that regard, I mean it kind of is what it is. But yeah, to your, your latter point about, you know, everybody's going to have to contract it at some point in time or not. I I, I'm with you, dude. I think eventually it, I mean, that's really what is going to have to happen. I mean, One way or another, I think overwhelming majority of people are going to end up getting it. Um, I'm just a firm believer that I'd rather have science and the medical community have, you know, a long runway of treating a hundred thousand plus people before I get it. That's just my personal preference. So there's a lot of track record how to deal with this thing. Um, But um, who knows, dude.
0: My thought was when I found out about this was what horrible timing. You know what I mean? He he basically contracted that, or was it came out that he had contracted that? I think the second of October, or something like that. I mean, you're looking at a month before the election, and you come down with a a, a virus that is completely just not only plagued the United States but the world, but also your administration on and not only you know with the disease, but on the fact that, uh, that there's been a lot of criticism about how you have have handled it, um, you know, talking about how you've, you, you have intentionally downplayed the, the whole thing to, to not, you know, create a panic and, and it's clearly not going, I mean, not going anywhere. I mean, let's, you know, I mean, it's, it's actually starting to look pretty bad, especially here locally. You're t- you you know, you've seen in the Metro East, Southern Illinois, the restrictions that are being raised, you know, I think there's, uh, you know, some talk about, you know, the city and St. Louis County starting to, you know, getting close to that, those rulings as well of these restrictions that are, you know, going to be start putting back into place to, to prevent these surges. And, you know, and, you know, let's let's also talk about the fact that it's getting to be flu season. And so, you know, it's becoming sick season and and you have something like this. I just thought, man, what worse timing. Um, And I can't, and it makes me expand a little bit more and I can't help but think to myself, what, I feel like this has probably been Donald Trump's worst month in the entire time that he's been alive. And I'll, I'll dive a little bit further into that. <clears throat> so we have the whole, you know, COVID diagnosis and everything, you know, these debates where, you know, it just, I, you and I both actually talked about the first debate talking about how embarrassing it was for the country and just how it was, it was like watching a car wash or a car crash, excuse me. You know, then you get, you know all this stuff between you know the 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 tension between him and, and Fauci and him calling all of, all those people idiots and, and everything like that to, um, to the sixty minutes interview that happened yesterday. Did you did you see this interview by chance or hear about it?
1: Mm, I heard so, about it. I did not watch it.
0: Well, I, so I had read about it, um, and basically it's you know sixty minutes and on CBS they you know a week before the election they actually sit down with the presidential and vice presidential candidates asking all these questions and in the middle of Trump's uh, interview, he just gets very upset and flustered and basically walks out on the interview. And it was was one of those things where he was basically, he ended up talking about how he gets uh, gets asked all the hard, unfair questions, whereas everybody else in the fake news media asks Joe Biden questions like, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? Like he actually said this in this interview. And it was just... You know, regardless of what you believe, whether you're getting treated unfairly when it comes to president, you know, president and person that you're running against, um, it's just, it's just, I just feel like a lot of this stuff is not making him look very good. And I, a part of me thinks, and this will kind of go into our next topic, which is your kind of your final thoughts on the election as we're about a week away. I legitimately think that he is starting to feel desperate in the fact that I think he he feels that he is very close to losing this thing. Um, and I kind of wanted your opinion on that. Um, you know, just political preference besides, you know, aside, because I I personally think that he is, he's starting to kind of feel the heat of, I may actually lose this thing. Um, but what, uh, what are your thoughts?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I can see a little bit of that. I, um, i think um you know i to kind of go back to what you're were, you're were just talking about as far as the uh the questioning and and the treatment i you know one of the, my one of my biggest i, I guess calms with um certainly with politics but certainly the mainstream media is that exact like feeling that he has if you are if you're i would assume if you're middle of the road or anybody it, it would jump off the page at you but certainly, as a conservative, what it does is every time these these debates happen, the, these questionings happen, it is always the hardest hitting shit and repetitive attacks um, that that come Trump's way. And it actually it happened with Bush. Um, it'll probably happen with the next Republican, you know, president or or person running for for president that's a Republican. Um, and it's it's something from. The conservative viewpoint that is incredibly irritating, and so yeah, they don't ask Biden about his favorite ice cream. That's an exaggeration, of course, but the the point is still is still there. And and for those listening, to this thinking, yeah, I don't buy that. Go do yourself a favor and go back and watch the town halls that happened in October and, and view the questioning and the directness and uh, the putting on the spot over and over and over, and interrupting of Trump. And then do yourself a favor and flip back and watch, um, whatever that guy's name is, George Stoppilopoulos, I think is is how you say that. Um, watch his interview with Biden and tell me that interview doesn't look like two boys smoking a stogie on the back deck after having some whiskeys and hanging out. And then you'll know exactly from a conservative viewpoint, exactly how these things come across, you know, um, it's, it's, it's opening to me, you know, and I'm not going to say that Trump's been the, the most perfect president because he's been far from it, frankly, um, overspending lying, tweeting, you know, he's got the whole, the whole ramit. it, but, um, there's, there's a part of me that just is like, dude, I get it. I, I mean, I get where he's coming from on, on the questioning. I get the frustration in that. I mean, you know, we've, we've spent, you know, it's, He's, you know, almost four full years into a presidency, and we spent three years talking about a Russian collusion, right? They impeached him. They did all these things, and every news story was treated as absolute gold. My question for you guys out there listening to this is, why haven't we taken the same approach and seriousness with the Biden story? Where are the folks just absolutely scratching their head? Why, why is Trump the one bringing up, you know, Hunter Biden's laptop? Why is Trump the one bringing up and asking the direct questions to Biden? Where's the the moderator to ask those questions? These are all things from a conservative viewpoint that just, they really trouble you because it makes you sit and go, the media is not balanced. They're nowhere close to fair. If they were, they would ask Biden just a handful of tough questions. And you certainly wouldn't have the drastic difference in the town halls between Trump yeah, Trump's interview and Biden's interview. And so in closing, I know I'm rambling this is a topic I can talk for days on, but, um, you know, in closing, I, uh, I think it's going to be much closer than people think. Um, I think, um, I think the national polls right now are floating between two and 3% pro Biden, uh, for a reminder, you folks that have forgotten four years ago, that's what it said for Hillary Clinton. Um, these are national, these are national numbers. Um, you know, fortunately, I, I believe fortunately that uh, we live in electoral college in a, um, in a system that, that values balance across the country, not just in our population centers. And so, yeah, I would assume Biden's probably gonna win that two to 3%. And he's gonna carry massively in these large population centers. But I think Trump is gonna hold his own and do very, very well um, across a number of rural areas. And uh, I think it's gonna be, it's going to come down to the wire like it did last time. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Trump loses, uh, but I certainly am not going to be shocked if he wins again.
0: Well said. I, I don't, I don't think it, it would be surprising if he, he won or lost at this point, but I, and, and it's a fair point. And I always think about this as he was behind in the polls last election as well. And, you know, it, I I just think with everything that's happened this year, I I think that it's a real threat that he's going to be one of the few presidents, especially in recent history, where he is does not get elected to a second term. And I think he feels that. And I don't know. I think, I think in some, some actions you've seen this month, I I, I personally feel like you kind of see him unraveling a little bit. Um, And, and I think it shows, but It'll be interesting. I, I, I uh, can't wait for this election to be over. Um, but it, it was just interesting things that I've noticed from, from watching on that. Um, it always just seems something that happens that, is, uh, that affects his administration and him. Um, I guess the most recent one outside of that 60 Minutes interview was uh, that, uh, that Borat movie that came out this past weekend. Did you, uh, did you see that?
1: No, to your surprise, I did not watch the new Borat movie.
0: Have you seen the first one? Well, let's start there
1: I know your big uh, movie buff has talked about in this podcast but uh, <laughs> you know at some point in time I think I did um, but I I mean I couldn't even tell you what that one was about but I do or I think I did see that
0: I won't dive too deep into it because i I did watch it over the weekend actually I watched it the day it came out it was um, the 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 thing with with Giuliani is is very interesting slash disturbing and It's easy to come down with the, and for those that don't know, he essentially got tricked or pranked essentially, because that's what this movie is. nothing but a prank movie to, and that, that, that the person who's interviewing him, who the character is basically playing a 15 year old, uh, you know, Kazakhstanian who's Borat's daughter. And the premise of the movie is that Borat needs to give his daughter to Mike Pence, somebody that's in Trump's circle so that Kazakhstan can can regain glory because they're part of Trump's boys club essentially. And so he's trying to give his daughter as a gift Well, he tries with Pence. It doesn't work. So he goes to Rudy Giuliani. And so his, his daughter who the character is 15 years old, which makes this even more disturbing is interviewing Giuliani and talking about how much she's like, loves him. And, and, you know, like the, how she's such a huge fan and they end up going into uh, another like bedroom in this hotel and they're like taking each other's like microphones off and I guess at some point he is, he's been sitting on the bed this whole time. He lays down and like puts his hands down his pants and it looks like he is doing something to himself that is not appropriate. And, and so then after, as you're watching this, you know, Borat dressed in lingerie comes in screaming, you know, that, you know, she's too old for you, yada, yada, yada. Giuliani like runs out of this hotel room and, um, and leaves and that's kind of the end of it and that's kind of what, what has been talked about in the news this past week he claims he was doing nothing but just tucking his shirt in i think it's weird that somebody would lay on on the bed and tuck your shirt in while wearing a suit but it's, it's just you know it's just a, another one of those things that that you know even though he's not a, a mayor anymore you know all he really is is trump's lawyer but it's just kind of one of those things that just hits hits on trump's side of things and I don't know it's just it's just weird the whole thing is weird the movie was weird it was a funny movie but that whole that whole scene was just very uncomfortable and you kind of just have to watch it to understand what i'm talking about but uh yeah i uh i love asking you movie questions because i know what the answer is but i like asking you anyway so
1: (laughs) (laughs) that is that is perfectly fine
0: (laughs) um um, but we uh we are going to take a quick break and then we'll uh we'll talk about the sports side of things All right, so October was an interesting month in the fact that we had not only uh, baseball, uh, we also had the NBA Finals, we had the NHL Finals, and we currently have the NFL and college football. Um, so let's go ahead, since we talked we talk a lot about basketball, what, uh, what ended up being your, your thoughts on the NBA Finals, and then what was your thoughts on how just everything worked in general for the NBA, you know, the bubble, the playoffs, everything?
1: Uh dude, I was thoroughly impressed with the NBA. I'm I'm glad that they did it that way. It's um it's awesome. They 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 sat, all sacrificed. I mean players being in those hotels for you know however long they ended up being in there. I and, think it was uh, like
0: fifty seven days or something like that. The Lakers yeah. said the Lakers and Heathead were there for like fifty seven days. I, I could be totally underselling it, but it was it was yeah, a long
1: time. I, yeah, they were there for a long time and um you know, without their families and um all these things. So man, that, that was awesome. I, the basketball was great. I mean, obviously the ambiance of playing, you know, in Staples center with sold out crowd and, you know, finals game would have been, you know, probably a better energy, but I think they did the best they could. I thought the basketball was, was pretty good. Um, you know, obviously a big, big LeBron fan. So happy that it played out the way it did. I think that, um, that they did, uh, they, they were, they were awesome in the clutch. I mean, Anthony Davis is obviously a beast, but you know, LeBron, you know, proven that, uh, you know, he's still got it. And I mean, if nothing else, I mean, you can do the goat debate another time, but, um, you know, just with his age and longevity and how long he's played at his peak, I think it's something that we're going to talk about, you know, 30 years from now is, is, you know, there'll always probably be a little bit of a goat debate on, you know, Jordan or, or him, but I think really just his sustained excellence. I mean, he's really been, if not the top player, a top two, three player in the league for pretty much his entire career. I mean, maybe some of those early Cleveland seasons, he was still trying to obviously ramp up. Um, But, you know, I think basically since 07, uh certainly maybe oh six would have been his first top year and i mean he's been at his quote peak since um and then uh my favorite part and this is the part i want to get your your take on is uh post-game interview uh when he when he's uh talking about the lakers got their respect ad got their respect and uh and then he says and i want my damn respect (laughs) hit me with hit me with what you felt when he said that uh if if we're gonna if we're gonna describe
0: this in emojis, it was uh, hand in my face emoji. Um, because let's let's be honest, who is truly not giving the respect to LeBron James?
1: That was exactly what I thought.
0: <laughs> Unless he's talking about this whole stupid ass goat debate, which he's already he's already come out and said he doesn't really care about that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, because you you can't you can't have a goat debate especially in basketball, because I think eras in basketball have changed more frequently than any other sport. I agree. You can't can't have that that debate. I mean, there's so many different avenues that you you can argue that there really is no ever conclusion. And to be perfectly frank, this goes back to my little blowing off steam presidential debate. No matter what you argue with somebody, their opinion is rock solid. They will never change. It doesn't matter. You're basically arguing with yourself at this point. So that whole thing was just really, in my point, my, in my opinion, just kind of silly and even borderline stupid because everybody in their mother respects LeBron James. He is the best player on the planet right now, and he is going to be regarded as one of the top two players in the world in any era, no matter what. Whether he's one or two, I don't really think that matters. So – that part was really kind of, kind of, kind of silly to me. But my, my question to you is, you know, we are LeBron guys, you know, we will always be LeBron guys. That'll never change. My question to you is, is this the most impressive finals victory that he's won out of the four uh, and why or why not?
1: Oh man. Great question. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think if you look at, you know, the Miami heat, those titles, definitely not. Those are – I mean, he's playing with Wade. He's playing with Bosh. I mean, you know, he's got quite the supporting cast. I mean, that that whole situation, I think, you take those out. So, really, you're t- you're talking about this one for the Cleveland championship. Cleveland, he's playing with Kyrie. Um, he's got, you know, the city on his back. He's got the whole hometown kid. But it's really during that – if I remember right, it was really Kyrie. I mean, Kevin Love was hurt. You know, he, of course, was, you know, had spots throughout the season where he was, of course, impactful, but it was really I Kyrie. had that game-winning
0: three in game seven. Yeah, is yeah.
1: Stupid, right? yeah, yeah. And so Kyrie obviously helped propel that. Um, and so then you're really thinking, okay, is it Cleveland playing for the hometown or is it um, playing in L.A.? Uh, with A.D., who, in my opinion, currently I think A.D. is a top-five player in the league. I don't think Kyrie is a top-five player when he won – with lebron in cleveland so i still probably lean a little bit more to that championship in cleveland but i also love the nostalgia stuff right like i mean he's the kid from akron he tries to win a championship like had he won that championship in 07 i think when they ended up getting just absolutely destroyed in the finals went the first time through with Cleveland, that would have been hands down his best championship. But coming oh, back – Oh, yeah, because
0: they, they weren't supposed to be in that finals. Well, yeah,
1: and they had nobody on that team. I mean, it was LeBron. Yeah. I mean, that series, he just uh, – when they played uh, – was it Boston or Pistons? And Same he, like – w- and he wielded them, I mean, just literally oh, wielded the them Conference. through the Eastern Conference, yeah. And, um, you know, so I don't know. I still lean to Cleveland, but, dude, I, I love the nostalgia stuff. I mean, that was so cool watching him win a championship in Cleveland. And, you know, I think Cleveland fans are just destined for shit. I mean, the Indians were on the doorstep there, just shat all over themselves against the Cubs. Um, you know, you had uh, – obviously, everyone knows about the Browns. And then you got the, the um, Cavaliers, and I think they're going to be bad for who knows how long so i'm gonna go with cleveland but it's really just comes down to i think anthony davis is a top five player and i think he's by far i think by far is fair maybe not by far but i think he's the best player lebron's played with wade would probably be a close second
0: so i'm going to tell you why i believe that this finals is actually the most impressive now the the um The Cleveland one is actually the coolest in my opinion. Um, But I think the Lakers winning in this bubble is the most impressive. And here's why that was a grueling schedule that they played. You know, when you, when you're, when you play in the playoffs these days, there's a lot of time in between for travel and things like that. And, you know, you can make an argument that the travel really wears on people and it does, but, in a a game, a a kind of game that they're playing in a bubble like this, where they're playing every day. And then in the finals, it was every day. And I think there was like a break. I can't totally remember, but you're basically playing nonstop And for a guy who's 36, 37 years old, who has at this point, the most minutes played in the playoffs has not missed, has has not missed a single game in the playoffs that his teams, whenever his team's been in it, the the team that should have won, quite honestly, it would have been the heat. Now you can also make a case that, that if, you know, Dragic and, you know, out don't get hurt, they probably do win. Like you can make a legitimate case for that, but you know, you've got a, a team, in the Lakers led by a guy who, you know, he's, he's older than everybody else on that floor um, going up against a young team that was obliterating teams like the bucks uh, you know, the Celtics was, was, was close, but there, a lot of their wins were convincing wins uh, you know, Handling the the Raptors the way that they did, I'm sorry, the Indiana Pacers the way that they did. It it was it it really was was laid out to be a young man's you know a younger team's championship this year. And LeBron James said, "Nah, nope." And I mean, the way that he played was phenomenal. Uh, I think the way that uh, you know AD played. Uh, was phenomenal. Although it's, it was always kind of curious how he had some games in the playoffs where he had like one rebound by the fourth quarter. Like I think three games in, against the Nuggets, he only had like two rebounds by the fourth quarter uh, in some of them. And and so I think that in that regard, that's more impressive because you know he's been in the league a long time. He's older. He's used to a way that the NBA has been played. And you know when it comes to scheduling and travel and things like that that a lot of these young bucks who have the energy to be able to play every single day for 60 straight days could have a competitive advantage over. And it just didn't matter. I mean, LeBron James turned on his LeBron James-ness and, uh, and helped the Lakers win, win a championship. So I I do actually believe that this is one of the more impressive finals victories, just on the sheer fact that it was different and, and, and the grueling, gruelingness of it uh, for, for all the players that were involved. So
1: Real question is: Is do you respect his name? <laughs> <laughs> um, I that do interview now. killed me. That I've interview been killed me.
0: Cheering him on for eighteen years, but now, now I respect
1: it. Now you're like, yep, that respect flowing.
0: <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about the NFL real quick. Uh, the halfway mark is technically next weekend. What uh, outside of the fact that you hate your fantasy football team? What what are your thoughts on the season so far?
1: Oh man, you're going to hate this cuz I I've gone in these waves where I just kind of periodically check in and watch watch random games. So this is probably not your most educated answer to this question, but um Pat Mahomes is still awesome. Love to watch him. Uh love watching Kyler Murray. I've actually watched two games in the back-to-back weeks. He is fun to watch. Um Huge and then fan of Kyler yeah, I like what they got going down there, man. Um, oh, Cliff, he's calling it and opening everything up, and Kyler Murray's got a great – I mean, he's obviously incredibly athletic. Um, I used to hate Seattle, but now that the Rams are gone and that rivalry obviously is – I could care less about the rivalry. I find myself really enjoying um, Russell Wilson. And, uh, I mean, DK Metcalf is a freaking just beast. Did you see the video last night of him chasing that guy down? Yeah, I watched that.
0: I watched that whole game because that game was just incredible from start to finish. Yeah, I saw that yeah. and I, I
1: almost screamed. Yeah, so that's incredible. And then last but not least, um, has the um, Tom Brady Bill Belichick uh, debate been decided? Uh, Tom looks youthful. Tampa looks fun. Um, they've got uh, a lot of weapons. Looks like they're about to get Antonio Brown down there. And uh, so uh, I'm. I got my eye back on Tampa a little bit. And those are kind of my quick hitters. I think.
0: Let me, let me give you some quick hits.
1: Yeah. yeah, The,
0: uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. um, So you used to be a fan of the Buccaneers way back when I think you should might back to being a Buccaneers fan, at least for the next two years, because um, they're 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 legit. Um, Tom's, Tom's, Tom's still Tom, TB12. Gronkowski apparently has found the fountain of youth and um, we're both currently fans of the Denver Broncos and they are Mm -hmm. ratchet. Is just the best way to describe that. There's so, there's such a mess that I don't even want to go it, into it.
1: Drew Locke um, looked miserable yesterday. Oh my god, dude! Oh, <sighs> terrible.
0: Drew Brees, I think, is done. In my opinion, yeah, he's
1: he's an old man. Can't throw the deep ball anymore.
0: Um, they were they were a, I believe a 65 yard field goal away from going to overtime against a team that they were favored by seven points, and without Michael Thomas. Honestly, he looks lost um, in some aspects. I mean, you, you have Alvin Kamara basically saving him on third and sixes all the time, and I, it just—it's not—it's not, it's not going to go off for the Saints at some point later this year. I think his his the twilight is is gone. Um, yeah, Pat Mahomes is still Pat Mahomes. He's always going to be Pat Mahomes. That team will forever be good, no matter who you bring in. I mean, Le'Veon Bell barely played, and he still ran off. I can't even remember how many yards. Maybe that's just how bad the Broncos defense is. Um, The NFC is super deep compared to the AFC. Um, The Jets are going to get Trevor Lawrence. And
1: uh, if he comes out,
0: (laughs) you you (laughs) heard it here first. (laughs) You heard it. (laughs) If I'm
1: Trevor, I'm going back to Clemson. You ever been to Clemson, South Carolina? It's beautiful. He's a god there. Don't go to New York. Don't do that to yourself. He
0: might want to stay in all South Carolina. And yeah, it's just and finally, I mean, it's been weird watching NFL games of all games. I know college football is a different atmosphere when it comes to you know the fan bases because most of the stadiums typically hold more fans than NFL stadiums do, or at least they used to. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Watching you know NFL games without those the fans is really weird. You know, I was watching the the Steelers and, and Titans game, and the way that the Titans came back to make that a very competitive game. I just kept thinking to myself, man, I would give anything for fans to be there going crazy and helping dictate how that, you know, the outcome of that game. Cause I, I do believe that if they had fans there, that it probably would have resulted in a Titans win. Um, you know, so not having fans at, at football games, just college and NFL has just been uh, surreal. Um, yeah. And then finally the NFC West is the best division in football right now. I mean, they're the most fun to watch. I still root for the Rams. Um, I don't root for them. Like I root for the Broncos, which maybe I should, because they're better than the Broncos, but just seeing how competitive those teams are, um, you know, the 49ers are, are legit again, you know, the Rams are good, Seattle and, and Arizona. I mean, just walloped on each other yesterday and that was just one of the most fun games I've watched this year. And yeah, I mean, that's just the division that I, I want to watch. And, um, and then finally, how about those Cowboys, your favorite team of all time? I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> our, our former guest, Brett Mykowski, his favorite team, um, who is probably at home today crying a river after his uh, his team lost pretty handedly to the uh, Washington Washingtons.
1: So, yeah,
0: that's just a couple, couple, couple of notes. <laughs>
1: that's a great roundup. I, I appreciated that.
0: <laughs> I figured you'd like that. Yeah. Um, Let's uh let's go into baseball real quick. I got a question for you, because and I wanted to bring this up because I I got into a lovely um, social media uh, debate with one of our, our buddies about the St. Louis Cardinals and the fact that our front office may or may not just suck at evaluating ta- evaluating talent, making bad trades, not willing to sign people and spend money, things like that. And my question to you is and so. In, these, in this playoffs, there have been some significant former Cardinals that have really shined because they, you know, they've taken their teams to the playoffs. The two most notable ones was Luke Voigt, who is a St. Louisan, with the Yankees, who led the American League this very short season uh, in home runs, and Randy Rosarena, who actually broke the record yesterday in postseason home runs and hits. My question to you is, do you think that – our front office just can't evaluate talent anymore and we don't have the appeal to build a good team. And by appeal, I mean that quote unquote Cardinal way that we used to have. What, what, what are your thoughts on that? I know you haven't really followed baseball much this year, so I, I you're, you're not going to have a biased opinion of my, you know, from that, but a lot of, a lot of Cardinal, former Cardinal players, Tommy Pham included, you know, cause the Padres, you know, beat the Cardinals in the playoffs. Have been kind of you know shining and exceeding in uh, in the playoffs. Who are not wearing STL Cardinal uniforms, and the people that we have chosen to play for the Cardinals instead have been lackluster, I guess to say the least in their in their performance, especially on offense. What, what do you think about that?
1: Well, I was uh, I was a big in mowee trust guy, um, self self admittedly. I mean you know really if you think about baseball here in St. Louis really since we've been you know really since 2000 i mean we've been incredibly spoiled right i mean they've missed the playoffs on you know slightly more than a handful of occasion over 20 years i mean most com- most teams can't say that um we've won uh, multiple world series. We've been to multiple world series again, most teams can't say that. And so I was a big in Moe, trust guy. It was kind of my, you know, anytime I'd hear people dogging, you know, our front office and Hey, Mo's done it. We we've, we've been here. We've, we've, we've done this and, the, and things have been well, I think we have the right coach. Uh, I'm excited about the coach. I think the coach is not the problem. Um, I think uh, there is something to be said for the talent evaluation. Um, I think that, you know, the Cardinal way thing, people hated that, but it was kind of our mantra. And I think that as bigger markets have gotten and turned around and and been, you know, better at baseball, really. I mean, it's really kind of, it's dampered our ability to even get like that top talented you know, free agent or trade prospect to want to come here too. And so we find ourselves in this weird spot where we have to do it. I mean, we are the definition of a mid-market team. Yes, we can we can stroke a check for, you know, Goldschmidt and and spend 20 million, 25 million on one person, but we don't have Dodger money. We don't have the Yankee money. Right. And so we have to do this balance of like spend on a couple positions, but then really develop our own talent. And yeah, I mean, seeing Randy A just absolutely mash for for the Rays is like, what the hell happened? And our outfield is just miserable. I mean, Carlson looks like he's going to be good, but, I mean, my God. I mean, Bader, love the guy, love the hair, love the style, mad respect, but, you know, Randy A would be a hell of an upgrade there, and we let him walk because we wanted to play, you know, certain guys and so yeah dude i don't know i think unfortunately for mo i think there is going to be a they're going to have to make a move at some point in time right you can't in st louis especially for baseball you can't go you know this long with prolonged disappointment and not having you know we of course we made the playoffs but it was eight teams right if this is a normal year do we make the playoffs no yeah so you know i think that starts to factor in and you know i think as you think about baseball we need young exciting players and how do you do that you have to grow them yourself and if you can't identify the talent they walk these teams that are all awesome and fun to watch what do they all have in common they have young exciting players that's what people want to see yeah i
0: i i think that uh I really do like Mike Schilt. I think he is the right person for that job. Uh, I think um, Mike Maddox is the right person for that job. I, you know, mm-hmm. we have one of the best bullpens in the league uh, and we did last year too. So, you know, he's, he's definitely not the problem. I mean, we've got a deep pitching staff. Um, I, I, we have definitely made a lot of swing and misses when it comes to finding offensive talent, especially when it comes to the outfield. Um I I am one that believes that letting Tommy Pham go was not that not a big deal. Um, he actually hit worse than uh, Harrison Bader this year and was hurt <laughs> again. So you know he you know that hurts. He you know he's he's hurt a lot. He has the eye issue. You know he's he's over thirty two years old. You know you know Bader's twenty six. I think I I believe. Um, you know I. Randy, Randy A was the, the big hit and miss. Um, you know, I, I see a lot of people that, that really bitch and moan about Luke Voigt. You know, a St. Louisan, by the way, getting traded was one of the worst things Mo's ever done. And I would argue that it was actually one of the better things that he's done. Uh, and the reason being is because the Luke Voigt trade gave us Giovanni Gallegos, who is going to be our long-term closer um, or setup man. Uh, you know alongside Jordan Hicks. And Luke Voigt's numbers compared to you know home and away are so different or just the, the 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 this disparity between the two is unreal. So you know if he was if he was hitting if, let's just say he was we knew that the DH was coming um, you know in twenty twenty and we decided to keep him to be our DH because Goldschmidt's going to be our you know full time first baseman he would not have hit, he would not have led the National League in home runs because all his home runs came from the the Yankee Stadium, which is so easy to hit home runs, especially to right field, which is where a lot of his went. And so, you know, in Yankee Stadium, he was hitting close to 300, where not at Yankee Stadium, he was hitting close to 230. You know, I think he hit like 21, 22, 23, 24, 25 home runs this, this season. I think he only hit six of those not at Yankee Stadium. And so I don't think Luke Voigt is you know, Luke Voigt is more of a beneficiary of where he plays um, than who he plays for, or the fact that he is this elite talent. I, I do think that they did miss some some things when they evaluated his talent. I'm talking about the St. Louis Cardinals, but there's no way that he would be producing the way that he's producing in Yankee Stadium, in Bush Stadium. There's just no and there's just no way that he will ever have the defensive talent that Goldschmidt would have. Um so while it did suck to watch him just absolutely rake the ball the last two seasons, since we've traded him, we got, you know, we, he wasn't going to be able to play for us. Um, so really in my opinion, and I can go deeper into this and I know we're starting to run out of time, but Randy a really is the big one. I think that we've, we've missed on, you know, because you've got Tyler O'Neill who ironically is actually in the uh, a finalist to be a gold Glover this year (laughs) um, who literally has become a fourth outfielder and probably is destined to be an a fourth outfielder. Um, Carlson's going to be great. He's, he's got that talent. And you know, from what I've seen, he's definitely going to, going to evolve. I mean, the guy's 21 years old. Bader and O'Neal, you now have that sample size that even in a COVID year, you know what you're yeah. going to get year in, year out. And that, you know, that, that is a miss for the front office. You know, that is on them. They, they failed at, at not only developing them into starting players, uh, but really evaluating the right talent. Um, you know, I think everybody would say we need Randy a over at least Tyler O'Neill Cause I will say that Bader has made improvements at least, you know, he's sitting in the two hundreds O'Neill can't crack 185. Um, I don't care if he has nine home runs, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, there are a lot of swings and misses. I will argue all day that it's not as bad uh, as people say. You know, I'm not going out there with pitchforks and, 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 you know, and fire saying, you know, fire Mo and, and everybody there. But, yeah, they've definitely missed a lot more in recent years uh, than they used to. But I also would argue that some of those moves has actually provided some of the benefits that we have. Um, nobody in the – I don't think anybody would have signed KK. Uh, except for the Cardinals and he was one of the best pitchers regardless of the small sample size that we had. So kind of my thoughts on the whole thing. We can definitely dive into a little bit more. Um, We are definitely kind of running out of time here. Um, So I know I would love to talk hockey, but I definitely want to bring some guests on for that. So we'll definitely save that for another pod this month, but final thoughts. um, You are one of the biggest college football fans I know. And you're one of the biggest Mizzou football fans I know. So Mizzou just beat UK, which uh, it was a they they snapped what a 10 game losing streak or was it eight games? Five, <clears throat> five games. All right. Well, then I'm an idiot. So, <laughs> um, so they beat UK. They've actually won two in a row. So they're two and two in the SEC. Two and two. What? Uh, give me your thoughts on the game because uh, definitely was a little dicey. Should not have been that close, but a win's a win. What do you yeah. think about what's going on with Mizzou right now,
1: dude? They are uh, they are interesting, man. I um, so I this this Kentucky game in particular is just incredibly fascinating to me. They had time of possession, so there's 60 minutes in a in a game, right? And so for our friends that aren't super, you know, football nerds, you would assume 30 minutes apiece, offense, defense, right? Mizzou had total time of possession was 46 minutes. Uh, that is incredibly lopsided. That means that their defense only played 15 minutes of the game, which never, <laughs> never happens. Um, they had – what made it dicey, though, is um, uh, Coach Strickwitz, love you, by the way, if you, you ever listen to this podcast, huge fan. So glad you're in Missouri. Uh, but um, he he rolled the dice on one too many fourth downs, and we had opportunities oh to God. score. How many we fourth downs t- did he play? Five? Yeah. I mean, they, they got crazy with it. Um, they, they really did. They, they went kind of, um, I would say almost even a little overboard. Um, and I love the, I love the aggressiveness. I love, um, I don't know. I love all of those things, but, um, it's just, you know, not, not what you want to see. You want to see them put up points. So they played Kentucky strong. They won, which is, which is the important part. They're tuned two to they lost to Alabama and Tennessee, and then they beat LSU and Kentucky um, dude. Overall, this team is, has been everything that I would have hoped it would have been. Um, they, they play ball control. They run the ball. They've been effective on defense. And most of all, it's fun to watch. They're not making crazy errors. I mean, God love Barry Odom and uh, you know, shout out to Barry O. I mean, they're doing a great job at, at uh, Arkansas as defense coordinator, Arkansas. Oh is. yeah. He's, um, he's helped I mean, rejuvenate,
0: com- rejuvenate that program.
1: They're, they're a complete different program. They're going to be tough this year. Uh, they've played people tough. they they're better than people expected. So, Barrio, you know, certainly you no know, hanging your hat here. It just Mizzou didn't work out as the head coach, but they're fun to watch. They're not making errors. Um, I was I pulled up the stats just as a, some quick hitters here, but uh, Larry Roundtree, our starting running back, 100 yards rushing a game. That's incredible. I mean, that is consistency, and, boy, do they give him the ball. He had over 30 attempts last week against Kentucky. That is incredible. Uh, Connor Bazliak won the job after – second game of the season his first start was against lsu he's 2-0 and as a starter which is fantastic he's throwing for over 220 yards a game he's well, producing numbers completion. missing
0: a lot of his starters right because a lot of his starters got yeah. got sick or, or hurt yeah uh, they had some covid, had and COVID stuff. yeah
1: yeah yeah, but he's 70% completion rate. So, I mean, when he's throwing it, he's incredibly accurate. He's athletic enough where he's still, you know, he can carry the ball on like QB draws and things like that. And he's just, he's incredibly accurate. And the thing I love most about it, he's a red shirt freshman, y'all. So this team is going to be good and we are going to be consistent. And I am just ear to ear grinning because I'm just so excited that we have our coach, we have playmakers. Our coach can recruit. We're, we're drawing in four stars. We just picked up four stars, two four-star recruits from Indiana, which is incredible. Um, you know, and we got a redshirt freshman, our quarterback of the future. We got the program's building. Um, all good things happening in Columbia, Missouri, and the fact that we're two and two in a year. Where if we won two games this year at the start of the season, I would have been happy. We're already there, and now it's like, okay, we're. We're going to play Vandy. We're going to play South Carolina. Well, we're playing Florida this weekend in Florida. That's going to be a big test. We'll know pretty quick how how determined and how good we really are right now. But man, we're we're in a good spot and it's growing. And uh, golly, when Mizzou football is good, life is good. And uh, we're uh, we're there. So appreciate you letting me chat. Hopefully, you guys can check them out. They're playing 6:30 p.m. Saturday night in Gainesville. So should be a fun game. And, uh, you know, Florida's one of those wild states that they're allowing fans. So there's going to be some crazy shit going on in the stadium if uh, if Mizzou can pull off this upset. So tune in, and it'll, it'll be a fun one.
0: It's a good time to be a Mizzou fan. Uh, you know, if you're watching our, our podcast, you can see that uh, Travis got the Mizzou hat. I got the uh, Mizzou – it's not really a poster <laughs> board. It's, some, it's a piece of wood with the shape of Missouri with the tiger on it. But – Um, You know, we're huge Mizzou fans. We understand that playing in the SEC will never win, (laughs) you know, SEC championships typically. Uh, We're not going to the playoff anytime soon. But uh, when we're competitive and and we, you know, pull out wins, especially when no one thinks we're going to pull out wins, that's the best feeling to have. And it's a good time to be a Mizzou fan because this team's going to be together for a while, like Travis was talking about, redshirt freshman quarterback. and. You know, uh, Larry, Larry Roundtree, by the way, in my, he just, he passed what third on the all-time third all time. And yeah, And for a running backs, I think the mm-hmm. first all time was uh, Brad Smith, who's I, nobody can come close to his yards. It was like 4,000 yards or something like that. Um, but he's, he's quietly becoming one of the most uh, legendary running backs. Yeah. He and He's very, very quiet and he's a workhorse. Uh, and He's been here for, you know, since, since, you know, he's a senior now. he's been here for four years. It's been great to to watch him do his thing. So yeah, Yeah. good time to be a fan. I I definitely like that. So um, I know we like to talk about sports a lot here and we like to give our opinions, but we want to hear yours. So if you want to uh, ask us a question, debate us, tell us we're high on something based on our, our sports opinions. I definitely welcome that. Uh, You know, please reach us out on the socials. You can reach out to us personally, or you can hit us up at the happy hour uh, podcast, uh, social pages, uh, it'd be definitely fun to have, have some fun sports debates with people. So um, that is definitely going to wrap up our, our episode here. uh talking a little bit about October here in 2020. Um, I've got a little bit of a quick shout out. I don't want to go too, too in depth about it. Um, but I, I want to shout out uh, the company Purple. Uh, so that company is a, it's a, and I know we talked beforehand that you didn't, you had never heard of it before, but it's a, it's a mattress company, um, where you can, you, you order, basically you order a bed online, they ship it to you, they ship you the frame and the mattress, you build the frame, which is relatively easy to do, or at least the instructions make it relatively easy to do, and then you essentially unroll this mattress that's gets sent to you in the mail. Um, so my wife and I have finally decided to upgrade to a, a king size bed. I've been sleeping in a queen for so long and I it was getting a little too cramped because we got a 60 pound doodle that loves to uh, spread out. And so I find myself confined to one eighth of the bed. So we upgraded to a king and, and I gotta be honest with you Trav, I, I don't know why it took me so long to upgrade. Uh, I believe you have a king size bed, correct? Oh yeah. I don't know. I don't know what took me so long to pull a trigger cause it was game game changer. Um, they, they sell pillows, uh, you know, special pillows and yeah, I, I encourage everybody to kind of look them up, especially if you're, you're bed shopping, uh, you know, check them out and see what they're all about. Cause it, it's definitely a game changer. It's one of the most comfortable beds I've ever slept in and, uh, yeah, couldn't be happier. So that's my, that's my shout out of the week. Um, as we kind of wind down, want to thank everybody again for, for downloading our, our podcast. Uh, we're really starting to grow our average downloads and our, our viewership, and, and we want to continue to to grow that. So please, uh, wherever you listen to us or you know find us on the socials, like and, and share those episodes with the world as we continue to try to expand. Um, Trav, do you got anything, any final thoughts and, and prayers that you want to give out?
1: Uh, dude, it felt great to be back. Again, thank you for the listeners. Um, like Steve said, man, we can't do it without you guys. If you love what you hear, you hate what you hear, share it, man. Tell the, tell the world what kind of idiot I am on politics and sports. I'd, uh, uh, get, get somebody on here that can talk me off my cliff here, but, uh, dude, we, we appreciate you all. And and thank you very much. If you if you're listening still through this episode, we appreciate it. We do it for you. Thanks.
0: And one final time, please be sure to check out briobottle.ca. That is our our, our new official sponsor um, with the promo code SHTIVE, capital all capital letters C S C H T E V E. You'll get 20% off these uh, pretty awesome stainless steel water bottles. Um, so, yeah, definitely check those out. So, that's going to do everything. That's going to wrap things up here on our end. So, one final cheers to you in the audience, and uh, we're signing off.